people should think about how how they're going to go about employment in this current environment that we're in. My guess is no matter what happens after December, we're going to be in uncharted territory again. There's probably going to be new laws changing and, and you need to make sure your businesses uh, are, are evolving. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. I'm Tunde Walana. And we have a special guest with us, Michael Elkins, who is also a podcaster. Uh, so <clears throat> we always love to do stuff with the fellow podcast community. His podcast is Game 7. Uh, it's a podcast about sports, business, and, and lifestyle. And uh, it's good to have you on. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So uh, when you're not doing podcasts in your, in, your, in, your real, in your real version of your, of your job that actually pays the bills, you are a labor attorney representing both employees and employers, mostly employers, but you do both. So I think, you know, we want to talk to you in, in, in specific detail about this current moment where a lot of people are uncertain about their employment. Uh, employers are uncertain about how long they're going to be able to keep uh, folks on the payroll. We had businesses go from 100 to zero just like that in a week, something that n no one's ever experienced, no one's ever gone through. So we are we're, we're living and experiencing history as we speak because uh, unless any of us were around uh, in uh, 1918, we have nothing to fall back on. And so uh, we are all learning in this moment and people are worried and concerned. People are, employers are concerned about whether they're going to be able to move forward, whether they can keep their employees. Employees are obviously worried about their jobs. And so it's a lot of uncertainty right now in this Corona craziness, as I'm sure you have, uh, I'm sure all of you who listening are aware of, but Michael has a labor and employment attorney, uh, I'm sure you're getting a lot of this. So what is it? Let's just let's just step back <clears throat> and let's just go here from a broad scope, scope and let's start on the employer side. Can you start with the employer about how not to go about letting go or firing people? Because I think employers get this wrong pretty often. And it's, it's probably why you have a job, but <laughs> at least you could give some folks some advice. You know, if they're trying to figure out, it might not be firing. It might just, you just can't maintain it, but there might be things you need to be aware and cognizant of before you pull that trigger. Can you think of some general advice? And if you can, pull a particular story when you've seen it done wrong. Well, that's, um, that's a great question, especially in, in this time because of, you know, obviously with COVID-19, you know, what, what happened from a labor and employment perspective initially was it was <laughs> triage. I mean, certainly not the same as the emergency rooms and the doctors, but from a legal perspective, the employment lawyers were front and center, especially with employers, because like, as you correctly noted, businesses went from zero, from 100 to zero within a day, including some of my clients. And so the first thing that happened was a scramble to make sure that if employers, you know, with 100 employees, 200 employees were having mass layoffs, that they were following the rules of what's called the WARN Act, W-A-R-N-E, which is a federal law that basically governs what to do in a mass layoff situation if it's at one particular plant or shop. And you don't really get a lot of WARN Act stuff unless a client's going out of business and it's, you know, it's rare that you have WARN Act issues come up like that, like immediately. So that was the first huge issue was, good Lord, like there's all these layoffs happening. That, so the first point would be if you're a big employer and you're laying off a lot of people, you need to make sure that you, if you're not 
if you don't know it, that you're covered by the WARN Act, find out yes or no. And if you're covered, make sure you're following those rules. The, the second big issue that um, came up was pretty much immediately, eh, maybe two weeks in, we, we knew that Congress was going to enact the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, which was the first big law, came before the CARES Act. That law was unique because what it did was it did two major things for employers. It had two provisions. The first was the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, which was part of that law. And the second was an amendment to the Family Medical Leave Act, also providing for paid leave. Now, that was huge. And I, when I say huge, I mean in the employment world, this was big because under federal law, before the coronavirus, this, this act, before COVID and these new laws, there was no federal paid sick leave. No. Individual states had their own provisions, but generally speaking, it wasn't, there was no federal law. There was the FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, but that's unpaid leave. Right. Paid. So this was huge. Um, and employment lawyers like myself were on the front lines with this. We were literally in the middle of the night, I know, because I was corresponding with other defense lawyers, reading the bill as it was coming out on congress.gov and then waking up in the morning to read the changes so that whenever this thing was enacted, we could get on the front lines and tell our clients what they needed to do and they didn't need to do. So when the law was enacted, there was probably, if I'm remembering right, I could be wrong, there was certainly at least a week or two lag time between the, when the president signed the law and when it took effect. It took effect April 1st. So it was, again, triage, getting everyone up to speed on what in the heck the paid sick leave laws required. And so from a a high level, you know, thousand, 30,000 foot perspective to give an answer to your question. I know this was kind of long. No, 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 it was good. Yeah. Employers who are going to be laying off or firing need to be aware of if any employee has invoked rights under the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act or right. the amendments to the Family Medical Leave Act. And in addition so to- So there's two different laws that were passed. It is. I did. So talk about like, if you can't go through a quick- scenario because we want to be helpful. This can apply to, to this applies to big and small alike. Is it employers? So it, it applies to across the board. Not across the board, but here's what was unique about the law. And you ask a really great question. Normally employment laws start with, okay, it applies to employers of say 10 or 15 or more. The Family Medical Leave Act, regular Family Medical Leave Act applies to employers with 50 or more. But most laws employment wise say X number of employee employees or more. These laws apply to employers with 500 employees or less. Uh, yeah, oh. reaction is the reaction of the employment law community and all of these businesses that have three, four, five, ten. They were like, "What? What are you talking about?" And it was crazy. Um, so, so it's a really broad law, a lot broader than the FMLA, and it applies. Across the board, it sounds like almost. So almost, like maybe not across the board, but it applies to most businesses. And you can talk about some of the exceptions, but it sounds like you need to you need to look into this. You know, just this doesn't just apply to multinational corporations or huge organizations. Actually, it doesn't apply to your multinational. Actually, you're right. Because that's wait, that's interesting, right? Yeah, I just thought about that because it says 500 or less. <laughs> you just it's now 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 really it doesn't apply to them. Correct. It doesn't apply to any employer with 500 or more. 
It doesn't apply to healthcare providers, and that definition is very expansive, and we can talk about that. It doesn't apply to emergency responders, and that definition is also expansive. So what happened was, when the law came out, most people, including employment lawyers like myself, had the look on their face like you just had, like, what? Wait, what's going on here? What does this mean? There were a lot of things in the law that we just didn't know, because in addition to living through a pandemic, we're in brave new, a brave new world legally. Normally, when a client approaches me about a law, I say, well, let me look at the cases and I'll tell yeah. you what you say, and I can give you a background on what probably your, your situation has probably been dealt with before. There's no cases. There's no interpretation. This is literally a, a piece of legislation and we have to figure it out. So the Department of Labor and the EEOC, and, and, and as a defense lawyer, I tend to not give them a lot of credit, but I give them a lot of credit in this. They we're issuing interpretations and guidelines for these laws almost on an hourly basis. I mean, I think there was one point where I posted like 15 LinkedIn updates over like a three-day period. And I was doing webinars. So ultimately what happened was the DOL issued 124 pages of rules on how to govern, how the law works. And last I checked, 89 questions and answers about little situations within the law. For example, we didn't know what, I'll give you, a, one of my municipal clients said, well, it says emergency responders. It doesn't apply to emergency responders. We understand that that's clearly police and fire, understood. Clear right. 911 call centers, no problem. But what about public works? What about the people that keep the water on? Are they emergency responders? I said, I don't know. That's a really good question. And sure enough, about two hours later, as, as I'm researching it, the DOL answered it and said, look, it applies to public works and a whole bunch of other people. So we really had a lot. It was a lot to deal with. Sounds like we still have a lot to deal with. We still don't know a lot of stuff. So this is, uh, you're a small employer. It applies mostly to them. I won't get into why they won't make it apply to larger corporations, but smaller ones, that seems backwards to me. But neither here nor there. Uh, I didn't write the law, so we can't do anything about that. Um, bipartisan, bipartisan legislation. It wasn't, that was not. I'm a, agreeing with you. It was, it was. Sounds bipartisanly stupid, uh, but maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> but that's just... Everyone was surprised. I mean, it was interesting because there was, we were following it, the employment lawyers, following everything in the House and the Senate. And, you know, it went from the House to the Senate and there was some, they were haggling. They weren't haggling over that. They were not haggling over the 500 employee, employee limit. I don't know the reason why it, would, it was 500 or less. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. It applies a lot of businesses. This applies to. So what you're saying is, because I want to unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Um. You 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 have to be careful if someone particularly is sick and they have the coronavirus in particular, or is it other? It's just corona, right? Like, what? How does this work? Great question. And here's how it works. So as expansive as the law seemed in encompassing all these businesses that ordinarily didn't have sick leave, when the DOL finally issued the regs and the EEOC issued some interpretation, it's still pretty limited. First of all, under the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, the sick leave is capped at 80 hours, so two weeks. And then there's also a cap on amount. I think it's $511 per day. Under the Family Medical Leave Act, it's no pay for the first 10 days. But what's interesting is you could, if you're an employee, you could take sick leave under the FMLA portion your first 10 days would not be paid, but they would be paid under the 
Paid Sick Leave Act version of the law. So there's all these little quirks. But ultimately, there are under the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, which is its own law, there are only six qualifying reasons. And they basically relate to COVID, but they're very, very specific. You know, you, if you're subject to a quarantine order and you can't work, whether it's at home or at the job site. So if you're subject to a quarantine order, but you can telework, no paid sick leave. If you have been told by a healthcare provider, you have to self-quarantine, right? Because either you've been exposed to COVID or you have COVID. That's fine. But if you can telework, no paid sick leave. I mean, it, right. it, it could, we could spend, you know, five hours going through everything. The point is, it's very specific as to who qualifies. And then what happens in certain situations gets a little murky by way of example. There's an issue of intermittent leave. The problem that came up almost from the beginning was I have an employee who is teleworking. They have been diagnosed with COVID, but they can work five hours a day, but not eight. Do they get sick leave? And the answer became, well, it depends. The DOL said, look. Yeah, because what if you get so sick you can't work, even telework? They say you still can't do it. I don't understand. Well, if you, if you just absolutely can't work and you have COVID, then you can get sick leave. From, okay. <laughs> uh, but if you can, let's say you have COVID, but you can work from home, but only intermittently. So if you normally worked eight hours a day, let's say you could only work four because you needed time to rest and you had a fever and all that. The answer was interesting because we never dealt with that before because ordinary, ordinary leave Intermittent's fine, but because this is paid, it was a brave new world. And the Department of Labor said, look, you can leave for telework only if the employer and employee agree. So if the employer says, we don't agree to that, no intermittent leave for telework. So there's some interesting rules that came down that had everybody sort of scrambling. Um, it's a, it's a lot. It really is a lot for employers. There were notice requirements from the Department of Labor. You know, you have to provide the employees a poster that um, informs them of their rights under these laws. And the DOL was smart and said, look, if you have people teleworking, then you got to email them the poster or post it on your website or post it on your intramail, but you got to let them know. And so, you know, if employers are, are dealing with potentially eliminating employees, or are hearing from employees that they might be sick or maybe exposed, there are obligations on yeah. them. They're bring these laws. It's a lot. Yeah, and it's a, that's a whole lot. I mean, that's, woo. Well, it's a lot to really absorb. And, and now small businesses should definitely, is there any particular resources? We'll put them on the website. Any places that they can get your firm, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, <laughs> I guess they can go to the Department of Labor to look up the regs too. I yes. just didn't know about it. I mean, but this is something that I think people need to be really, really, really cognizant of. Um, look, I'm a, I, I don't do as much labor attorney law, but I've done it for a while and I didn't know hardly any of this stuff. And it's, and it's something, right? I mean, cause I don't, I don't do as much day to day. I've done it before. I, I'm not sitting up like you looking at regs anymore. I, that's not something that, that, that gets my rocks off. Sorry. It just doesn't, just doesn't excite me today. <laughs> so like go through a moment. So that's, that, that's new information. People need to know. But let's just take a little global scope about maybe give an example of an employee that you've you've dealt with that might have had a case, but they found out a way to make the case harder on themselves. If you can kind of go through a fact pattern of 
that you might have seen so you can advise people out there that are right now trying to assert their rights, even if, even if it's under these new laws or it's under prior laws. How do you advise people to approach a situation when they feel as if their employer might be gunning after them unfairly? Great question. And actually, the DOL addresses this in the regs, something they I don't think that they've done before, but they make really clear whether it's intermittent leave and, and agreeing on that or figuring out how much leave the employee needs, obviously up to the maximum of the two weeks. They're advising employers and employees to work together to continue to communicate. And so I personally haven't had a situation with an employee where it was made difficult on them. But I have had a couple of situations where employers, where we were dealing with difficult employees who, yeah. you know, who- That's always the case, right? You got an employee, like, you know, you, you want, you've been wanting to get rid of them, then all of a sudden, you know, boom, <laughs> something like that happens and Corona, they get it. And then, you know, what do you do? Because I'm sure that situation's real. Well, there's been a couple of fun, I, I don't know if they're fun, but funny mm-hmm. examples. I, I represent um, an, a, we'll say they're a construction company and uh, they have a big, huge outdoor work area. And um, <laughs> some of their day laborers decided they were going to try to take some COVID-19 time off. So they called and said, we were exposed to coronavirus. We're not coming into work. And the client calls me and says, what do we do? I said, you tell them to get their asses into work. That's, that's not enough to trigger the leave. They need to, the law is very clear. They need to be advised by a healthcare provider that they are to self-quarantine. So mere fear, and I, was, I spoke on CNN in an article to CNN about this, mere fear of COVID-19 is not enough to stay home. So they told them, you need to come to work. So they called back two hours later and said, well, we called the Department of Health and we spoke to a nurse on the phone and that nurse told us we should self-quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> so the client calls me and says, is that a healthcare provider? I was like, I, I, don't, I don't think so, but that's a new <laughs> Points for creativity, man. They were on it. Points for creativity. And then the legal issue, though, became you know, virtual medicine, right? Because I had another client with employees in New York. And that client had an employee that said, look, I had a virtual doctor session. Here's the name of the doctor, the actual doctor. And they told me I have enough symptoms that I have to self-quarantine. And we said, no problem. A doctor is a, clearly a healthcare provider. Right, right. We granted them the leave. And then we did an agreement that they could take intermittent leave because they were teleworking and, you know. So I think this is an important point that I want to make sure people understand. You know, if you're an employee, you know, for one, it's not enough for you to say, I feel sick. I feel like I could have Corona. Somebody around me had Corona. I want off. Um, that's not enough. It sounds like you need somebody has to give you a diagnosis to say, or not diagnosis, I guess. you have. It's not clear. I don't know what it is. It sounds like you got to get somebody to give you notice. A doctor's note or something to say you got it? Like To be a note, you need to, this is what's interesting, actually. You, the employee needs to put in writing the name, the dates of the leave they want off, and the healthcare provider that told them either that they have COVID or that they're being advised to self-quarantine. So you don't even need the note. You just need to put that stuff in writing. But the problem we had with my, my construction company was that is, it was the, quote, nurse from the Department of Health considered a healthcare provider. And, and we concluded, no. I said, you know what? Having read the regs, they're not skewing 
in favor of employees, they're kind of, I read the regs as sort of skewing a little bit in favor of employers. I think the DOL was trying to strike a balance. Now, this is my thought. They don't say this, but right. I mean, we need to protect employees, but we need to protect against, frankly, BS people trying to take time off. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think people need to know. So it sounds like the safest way to go is a is a is a doctor giving you an assessment. And you said what what were the particulars you had to go through? You have to have a what what has to happen? You just need to put in writing to your employer your name, obviously, the the dates of the leave that you want, and if you're taking leave because of exposure to COVID or because you've been diagnosed with COVID, you have to provide the name of the healthcare provider that either diagnosed you or advised you to self quarantine. If that's the one of the reasons that you're taking yeah. leave. other triggering reasons, like if you have to take care of a child or an individual, that's a different story. Right. Anyway, so with my construction client, once we told them no, the, the, the nurse on the phone from the Department of Health in Florida doesn't count, then they went to an urgent care clinic. <laughs> and that probably counts. <laughs> but yeah, and then I was like, okay, they did it. So we spent the day with them, <laughs> kind of leading them down the path, I guess. Right. So, fun story about wow i mean that's just it's, it's a brave new world because look somebody people are going to try to abuse it and 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 I, that's probably the case but i also think employees need to be protected and yeah. trying to trying to get through the balance is really really tough and well i've got one for you on the employee side okay i want to hear that one a friend of mine who who's in the medical sales business so she has, she's not a doctor she's not she's just a salesperson but she's selling a medical device she was diagnosed with COVID. So she calls me and she said, what do I do? And I said, tell your employer, like tell HR. And they told her, they allowed her to take time off, but they weren't going to pay her. They were going to force her to use PTO. Yeah. The Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, you can't force the employee to use PTO or any kind of accrued time. If they qualify for the leave, you have to give them the leave. You can't say, okay, we're going to give you the leave, but it's coming out of your bank. No. You can do that under regular FMLA, which was another change. Right. She said to me, I'm like, well, that's part of my French bullshit. They need to pay you until I did a little bit of digging. Now, she works for a healthcare provider. Oh, okay. Care provider. She's a salesperson. I was wrong. The, um, the DOL regs basically are very expansive on what constitutes a healthcare provider. So, it was concluded that because she's with a healthcare. They can force healthcare providers to use their time. That seems absurd to me, but. But yes, they can. And it turned out her. Employer- okay, listen, just note to the audience. This is why you need a union. This is why people need unions. Uh, there needs to be, I know employers don't love this, but there needs to be a balance. Go ahead. That's my point of view. You know, I, we might come at that differently, me being a labor attorney, but that's okay. We can have a little debate. Go ahead, Mike. Labor lawyer, especially representing municipalities against unions, in case any of my municipality clients are listening, I do not agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. He's not supposed to. But, but employees, if you want a voice, uh, because look, you're not going to say this, but let me say this. There's always going to be the balance towards uh organized capital. And this is, I think, I think COVID-19, this is purely my opinion. And that's what it is. Um, it's showing why we have, why we need protections that we've taken for granted or are not as strong as they used to be. Because I think any crisis exposes institutional weaknesses. One, one, I think in this country, to no surprise to anybody who knows me or who follows me, is the fact that we have weak labor laws and I appreciate the balance that business needs. I'm a small business owner myself, but I also think we can balance that and still balance the needs of workers. And 
I found unless unless people want to organize and have their interests represented collectively, you know, you'll get the balance that Mike is talking about. Not that employers are cruel or anything. It's just how the how it works. But I, that's my opinion. You know, and I know and I'm not saying unions are perfect because they're not. I just think that, you know, your example to me shows why, uh, you know, why why people need those protections. Because to me, that's a clear example when you mentioned the employee in the sales that, you know, they're going to make her use her her time when she was exposed at her job. Makes no sense to me. She wasn't exposed at her job. No, no, no. She was not. No, she just got diagnosed with it. It wasn't. Okay. Okay. But nurses, but give you an example. Like, so I'll give you an example that I know. I have a friend whose daughter is a nurse and she was exposed to COVID-19 and forced to use her vacation time during quarantine. Forced in quarantine was, of course, you had to be because you can't be because she was exposed to people while she was working as a nurse helping someone who had COVID-19. Because of the exposure, she has to be quarantined. Because of the quarantine, she can't work with people. And because of that, they want her to use her vacation time, which I think is ups. It's just crazy. You know, people talk about supporting first responders, and then they're the ones exposing themselves, and they have to use their vacation time. Another example I'll give you is, you know, the Jeff Bezos of the world, which, you know, he's got Whole Foods and he's, he's, he's making employees trade their time in for sick time with each other. I'm like, dude, you're the richest man on the earth. Like, why don't you just pay them? I mean, these are the things that, you know, frustrate me when I look at the system. We're at a moment where uh, we're in crisis mode and people that have made a lot should give a little more. That's how I, that's how that's my fundamental belief. And I know people have different views, but that's what I see kind of frustrates me. When you bring up the example you did, it's not exactly the same, but I think there are fact patterns that are worse than hers. So the ballpark, And the other issue we discovered with her was it wouldn't have mattered what she did because her employer has over 500 employees. Yeah, that's what, and that's a, and, and just, let, me, let me just tell Congress, everybody else, this goes to Democrats and Republicans. I want to just give a shout out to how incredibly Fucking stupid that was. Okay, excuse me. My language. No, don't excuse me. It was stupid. It was real dumb. Like it should have gone the opposite direction. If you were going to go, like, I, unless Mike, tell me something here. Help me out here on that. But go ahead. Am, am I? Yeah. What am I missing here? The fact that they made it apply to smaller companies, but not larger ones. Like, am I off on something? Am I just what? 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 what what's going on? No, I, I think there was a lot of surprise, but here's what I think they meant to do, what their thought process was. This okay. is Michael Elkin's opinion. All right. Just, just remember this before you finish. Intentions can pave the way to hell, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Good intentions. Go ahead. <laughs> I think the thought process was that an employer of 500 or more likely has an already set up compensation system with sick time and vacation so that if you're out sick, you are able to get paid because, but a smaller business, most of them don't have that. And most of them are not required. There's no paid sick leave in most places. So they said, look, we're going to cover the mom and pop shop and say, look, you got to pay your people if they're sick. Ordinarily, you don't have to, but you're going to have to in this situation. And, And by the way, it's not like they said, you have to pay them for three months. It's right. It, it's a, It's not a big. It's not big, but it's it's big in the fact that it. We in this country again are really behind when it comes to family sick leave. I think we're the only industrialized nation that doesn't have significant sick leave or any at this point until until this point. Am I wrong on that? Uh, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I th- I know for sure. I mean, federally, 
I'm talking about the rest of the world, Western industrialized nations, and minus China. I'm not including China as a democracy, so I'm sure China just <laughs> China just says what happens, and you either get you either get off the job or they or the government takes you out. So I'm not including China. And, and there are some states that have paid sick leave. Florida is not one of them. So there's no paid sick leave requirement in Florida. There's no maternity right. leave requirement. You know, I, I oftentimes consult with clients and they say, well, so-and-so is going to have a baby. Don't I have to pay them? And my answer is, nope. No, you don't. What? I mean, it's true. It's, that's, that's how the law works. I'm like you could, but you're not required to under the yeah. law. And, and this law is just, there's so many ins But if you want to keep, let me just give them advice. If they're good employees, you want to keep women around at your firm, maybe you should pay them. I don't know. So that's another cost. That's another. I, that's what I tell clients. You don't have to, but you need to figure out the cost-benefit analysis of not paying employees if you think they're good employees. And so that's what I think too. You've struck the chord, which I often talk about with my clients, and and I talk about with you know law students interested in labor and employment law, which is it's not just the law in this field; it's cultural. So you yeah. have to know your client's corporate culture and understand and be able to talk to them about. Look, here's what you could do under the law, which may seem draconian. And then how is that going to fit with what you're trying to accomplish from a day-to-day workplace perspective? So you're right. When, whenever I'm giving advice, we're always taking into account the practical concerns. And, and most of my clients created their own sort of maternity leave policies and sick leave policies. But yeah. this law changed the ball game. Now, it expires December 31st, 2020. And hopefully, we're past covid I'd be very curious to see what happens down the road if there is any legislation. It, 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 wait, it, it, it expires December? December 30th or 31st, 2020, both the emergency... So at the end of this year, essentially. Correct. That seems stupid to me too, but go ahead. <laughs> it's like... Designed only for COVID. These are not... Right. Long- no, I get it. I get it. I get it. COVID reasons. No, it makes sense. Um, and Tune, I know you had a question very quickly though. I just want to make sure I have clarification on what you think. You're saying that... They did 500 and under because they thought the larger corporations already had paid sick leave in their policies? That's what my thought process is. Uh, well, that makes them incredible naive, incredibly naive then. Okay, Tunde, you next. Hey, um, listen, my opinion on that, just to finish that, that, that thought bomb here, is um, I would just say that I'm going to assume that companies that have over 500 employees have a much stronger lobbying arms in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> And they're able to twist arms and get things written That's in. That's a little place. cynical, Tunde, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, no, but a very interesting conversation. I mean, I've been quiet here on purpose because definitely you guys are the lawyers on this one. And this is great information, Mike. I think, um, you know, in terms of my practice on the wealth management side, it's interesting because I, I see both, right? I have, I have clients that own businesses and some that do have several hundred employees. Um, so they are dealing with these type of, these type of issues. And then I've got employees that are partners at law firms or, 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 or you, know, uh, you know, junior executives or middle management at, at large corporations. So I've heard from both sides, uh, frustrations, concerns, and you speak to it very well, Mike. And, it, and it's a good point, um, not only about as a, you know, employees, you know, you know, should, should take a look at unionizing for, for, for moments like this. That's our opinion, but, of course. That's me. But yeah, no, that's, that's for, we know we're in disagreement, but that's good. That's good. Yeah, that, that's Rob's um, professional. My, 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 well, Mike wants to note for the record, he is not for that. We made that clear. No, that's what I was going to say is for a guy like me, that's not the expert on all this stuff. It's been kind of cool watching you both here because I feel like, all right, Rob's point is very important for a certain 
part of the labor force, which is primarily the employees and the workers. And then obviously the business owners are part of the labor force too, because they own the company and they also work there. And so, um, you know, for the most part. So with Mike, I think the big advice I would say to business owners is this is why it's important to have good uh, attorneys and good absolutely representation. You know, don't be cheap on accounting <laughs> and legal representation. I completely agree. You want to make sure that you have going on as a business owner. And, and also it's about, we talked about this on another show when we talked about Corona and small businesses in, you know, that's another cluster of a F of a bill too. But yeah. It, but but I'll just say this very quickly, and I'll let you get back to your point, that we said on that show, you said that point in Tune Day, along with April, you guys go back and look at that show, that you have to still have some fundamentals of the business, and part of it is having your, your paperwork together, and this means also having good attorneys, um, and, and knowing and doing things and following the process right. So I think what we can learn from Michael through this experience, you know, we're I'm giving him a hard time other ways, because that's just what I do, but in reality, he's a good attorney, people should think about how how they're going to go about employment in this current environment that we're in. My guess is no matter what happens after December, we're going to be in uncharted territory again. There's probably going to be new laws changing, and, and you need to make sure your businesses uh, are, are evolving because we're talking about this applies to smaller businesses. This likely apply, This applies to a few. If you have a few employees, it applies to you. So you need to listen. You need to be prepared, and you need to make sure if you're thinking about getting rid of an employee or having to lay off folks, you have to go about that. The process matters in how you do it. You can likely, you can likely still do it. And, and, and uh, Tunde, I'll go back to you. Then, Michael, I want you to speak to this, why process matters. You, know, you can have a horrible employee that you're about to get rid of. You have every legitimate reason. But if you do it wrong, it can, it can really hurt you and cost you a lot more money. It's better to protect yourself on the front end. Tunde. Yeah, no, and I think, um, Mike, you bring up some some really great points. And to me, it just reminds me as someone that owns a business as well. You know, this is, Mike is the type of uh, professional that deserves his hourly rate. Because from what I heard from you, Mike, is you have a- And he's uh, not paying us either. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is an honest plug, not 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 for any, um, any um, benefit for us financially or anything, but more- because, you know, I think what happens with business owners, and look, like I said, I've started a company. I remember when it was scrimping and scraping by. And so what happens is your mind starts doing the math and the scarcity math. Like, I only have so much in the bank or only so much revenue coming in. I can't pay for this, this, or this. And the, you, you start building excuses as a business owner why you can't afford certain things like good accounting or good legal help. And I think you know, Mike, what, what, what I often tell people, because I'm in a service industry as well. So, so it's, 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 it's also like, what makes, why should I hire you over the next person that, that does what you do? And I think, Mike, you illustrated well for anybody that's paying for advisory services, whether legal, financial, whatever, is what you showed us today is that you're a student of what you do. And like I said, you have your, your think tank, you're looking at, you're, you're getting updates from the Department of Labor and, and EEOC. You're looking out for this information. And to me, that any business owner should be looking at like, as far as looking for advisors like this that are really active and trying to seek all this new information that is coming out about the specific silo of law or finance or whatever it is. So kudos to you, man. I'm done. You guys can keep going. <laughs> uh, quick, quick question. Let's let's pivot a little bit. Unless Mike, you have anything else to say on that? I wanted to pivot to uh, the coronavirus and how you're handling this moment. So you're a big sports person, I know. 
like me in a way. I mean, I don't think I'm a fanatic, but um, what are you doing to make up for this time in sports? And is it, is it, is it driving you crazy that you can't watch sports? And how are you really adjusting to this moment of things changing in your life in that area and really in others? You know, Tunde and I were talking about this, I think, last Friday night. Um, a couple of things. I mean, for me, I have been slammed. And I don't mean that as like a victory lap. So I want to make sure I'm, I'm careful how I say that. But it has been every day, basically from 7 in the morning till 8, 9 at night, with a little break in there to hopefully work out of, of handling all the new issues with COVID and, and employers and employees. And so there hasn't been a lot of time to miss a whole lot of stuff. And, um, you know, my business, my law firm has always been built on the premise of being very modern, yeah, mobile, virtual. Uh, it's in my marketing. So when this all happened, that was kind of business as usual for me. Like I, I, yeah. I think but Zoom, all this stuff is commonplace. Exactly. Uh, quick point on that and I'll let you finish. It's, it's funny that, you know, I've seen two extremes. People are either busier than they've ever been or got more time and I'm on the end of busy, but it seems to be no in between. People aren't like, I'm exactly where I was before, but yeah, so. Right. And, and I definitely watched as, you know, on Law 360, we started seeing the, the, the articles coming out about big law cutting and having to reduce. I mean, look, I've, I've sort of been preaching that for years, like this office space, these phone systems, all this crap, you know, just don't need it. Preach, brother, preach. Yeah. I mean, it, it's garbage, you know, and, and people not using sort of like, this is, this is the time if you were posting on social media, which I did all the time. And, you know, my prior law firm was super against, I mean, that's why you left and started your own. Good for you. Drop the mic. You can drop the mic literally now. I'll let you do it right now. If you could, you can just <laughs> virtual right. mic drop. Yeah. And so there hasn't really been time to miss stuff. And I was telling Tunde this the other night, you know, I, I do love sports and I have a podcast that's dedicated to sports, the intersection between business and sports. And I've been very fortunate to turn that little show into a sort of national show and, and very fortunate to meet some really cool people in the sports world that are actual, you know, decision makers that sure people. And I, I haven't, I haven't missed the games that much. Not yet anyway. The only thing I'll say is I, I, I was able to watch The Last Dance on Sunday night, the Jordan documentary. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I don't have ESPN yet. Don't so. spoil it. It's recorded. <laughs> well, you've seen, you know, well, spoiler, uh, Jordan wins the state championship. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll spoil that part. Go ahead. And then that kind of ignited fire again. First of all, you got to watch it. It's amazing. And that sort of got me think, you know, back to, um, man, I do kind of miss the drama and the games, but I haven't been longing for baseball or basketball. And I thought I would be, but, but I haven't been. Now, when I watched the documentary, I was like, yeah, I, I do miss this stuff. I mean, look, I say sports is the only reality TV show that matters, right? It, it's the greatest. I think it's the, it's, it's soap opera for men, right? Generally, I mean, I know women love it too, but it's, it's, we follow everything that goes on off the field and who's going where and why did Tom Brady leave the Patriots and all these things. But, you know, I've, I've been pretty comfortable with what, what life's been like right now. I'm enjoying being home with my dogs. I'm enjoying helping my clients. I, and I've been doing COVID. Your dogs are going to be so depressed when things go back to normal. They're like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> My puppy is going to be, I think my lab who's old isn't going to care, but my puppy is going to be like, wait a minute, you're not home all day. Um, I've been doing my COVID-19 work for my, my clients basically for no charge to help them out. And that's been 
gratifying and they've been appreciative. So, and that's a, I, w- I want to get on that. And before we go to our last question to tell people why it's so important in this moment. I mean, I'm doing a lot for clients in the media into not getting paid much if, 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 if anything, but the importance of having intentional relationships and building a relationship, uh, and how that really pays off in the long run. People think like, okay, if I'm not getting everything and getting paid at this moment, then it's not worth my time. Talk about how you've built your business that way, because I think it's important for other people that are looking at to step out on their own uh, to understand the, the importance and the value of relationships. As, as soon as COVID broke and we saw the economic downturn happening swiftly, I immediately let all my clients know Whatever COVID questions you have, bring them to me. I'm going to answer all of them thoroughly. I'm going to give you all the time I can, and I'm not charging you for it. I'm not going to charge you today, and I'm not going to send you a bill down the road. I'm not even tracking the time. And the, pro- the thought process was this. My business was, was sort of not purposely, but it was set up to weather this storm because I don't have a lot of overhead, right? And so if we're going to say we're in this together, then let's act like it. And I know my clients were super grateful and I was happy to do that because it really, there were some nights where I was on the phone with some of my longer term clients that I've had for 10, 11, 12 years, some mid-sized business owners that were really scared. And we were just talking through everything that could happen and helping and trying to figure out solutions. And I know they were pleased that they could do that and not worry about getting a bill. And frankly, what do I care if it's six, seven, eight, nine hours of work now I'm not going to send somebody a bill for that. Now, look, to be honest, of course, I'm building brand loyalty, right? Because But, but that's, how, that's how it works, though, right? I want people to understand brand loyalty comes with, it's a two-sided conversation. It's everything can't be a direct transaction. Yes, you have to make money. No one's, no one's, saying, no one's saying that. But in this time, uh, those who survive are going to give the most value. The, mo- the, greatest, the greatest thing you can give right now in terms of resources is to give value to others, that's right. That's always actually that's always true, and, and it's and it's exacerbated. And the point the point is emphasized in the midst of a crisis. And so I'll tell folks right now: you want your business to thrive, you want to be there for the long run. Be there to add value right now as much as you can. Everybody obviously has to eat. I mean, there's a baseline floor to this, but when it comes to it, do everything you can to add value, and you will get it back. Um, yeah, and it's a it's a long game, and you have to just see it long. It takes you've been. You've been doing this for a long time, building relationships. It's why you were able to go on your own. So I encourage everybody in this moment that is panicking. Panicking is not a plan. You should go back and build your relationships and be intentional about that. I think it, that's something folks can do right now in this moment of Corona. Uh, kind of final. Go ahead. Is some. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think, and it's been rewarding to work with my clients that have been with me for a long time, and even new clients, and just to hear what's going on, help them out, and just know that you're, you're doing that because you're, when you say we're in this together, you're going to take action to show that. Yeah. And I, that's so important. It is. It's important generally, but... Don't tell me what you value. Show me what you do, and I'll tell you what you value. I totally agree. Totally Your agree. actions speak your values, not your words. That's right. Yep. So that's exactly right. Uh, final point here, just <clears throat> you have any funny story from this whole quarantine experience that uh, you can share with the audience that you might <laughs> want to? I don't know how funny it is. I thought it was funny. So my hobby is Olympic weightlifting. Um, I compete as an 81 kilo lifter 
um, in the 45 to 49 age group. I'm 45, so I'm closer to that than 49. Um, and my gym was fortunate enough. They let us, they let the lifter, a lot of people take equipment home. So I have an Olympic weightlifting barbell and a full set of kilo plates. Now those plates bounce because you have to drop the weight. So I've been lifting in my driveway and um, I have a neighbor across the street. And so I'm lifting one day and dropping the barbell and dropping the weight. It's, it's not even a lot of weight. I'm just trying to move. Right. He, he comes out and I'm cleaning up. I'm done. And he's laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? He said, every time you drop the weights, my house shakes. I said, what? He's like, I know it's crazy, right? It was some heavy weights, bro. It wasn't. It was probably. You should have gone with it, man. I was trying to give you a good. (laughs) (laughs) Light, like, you know, 90, 100 kilos. And um, we couldn't, we were trying to figure it out. So he was laughing because I said, look, my neighbors to the right or left of me doesn't bother them. But across the street, for whatever reason, dropping the weights in my driveway caused his house to actually like shake, like he could feel it. So I don't know how funny that is, but it's a. Quirky little story. I mean, I get a lot in my neighborhood when I'm lifting in my driveway. Well, I'm glad you're staying active and uh, keep yourself active and uh, insane through this process. Michael Elkins, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, don't make yourself a stranger. Come back. Thanks for having me. Stay safe, everybody.